Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to City Church. It's such an honor to have you joining us today, just a few days before Christmas, a few days before our Christmas Eve services. Man, so grateful to be gathering and so excited to share the message today. And we're in this Christmas season, you know, there's two times a year that in theory I get to kind of relax and, and uh, take the pressure off, and that's around Christmas and Easter, because every year I get to talk about the same stories, and in theory, there's not a lot of room to be creative. In fact, I've talked to our team a few times. I've asked them if I can, like, edit the Christmas story here and there, you know, maybe, like, add some characters, take some out, maybe throw in a three-headed dog or something cool like that, and they always tell me no, like, I'm not allowed to edit it. And so we always stick to the same story, and while at, at times, like, that, that's supposed to relieve the creative pressure, um, it's also uh, kind of good news for me because every year, the Christmas story is still good news. Like, that's really convenient that every year the same story is still good news. Which, by the way, let me pause for a second. If you're a guest tuning in with us, if you've never uh, um, been a part of an in-person gathering or you've been tuning in online we haven't had the chance to connect, you can use that digital connection card. You can text the word new to the number on the screen. We would love to connect with you. But also, I would love to personally invite you to one of our three in-person Christmas Eve services. We're going to have them at 4, 5.30, and 7 here at our space in this building. It's going to be amazing. Lots of space for you to spread out, safe, sanitized, masks on. We have this epic fog machine that kind of feels like, you know, you're in the movie Ghostbusters and you get to just like kill all the germs in the, in the building. And so it's going to be an amazing, amazing, amazing evening. And if you're more comfortable at home, we also have a Christmas at home, at home option that's going to be live streaming at all those times as well as an on-demand option. And so I just want to extend that invite personally in this season. We would love to celebrate with you and meet you and connect in any way that's helpful. Now, back to the, the good news, right? The, the Christmas story um, is, is re- typically referred to as, as good news. Now, let's pause for a second. When you hear bad news, um, you typically hope bad news is, is not true, correct? Like anytime you hear about bad news, you hope it's not true. And the opposite is typically true as well. Anytime that you hear good news, you hope that it's true. And, and the gooder the news, the gooder the news, the, the more that you hope is true. Like, like I found out the other day that AT&T wanted to buy my phone back from me and up, upgrade me to the new iPhone. And I was like, are you, are you sure you want to do that? Is it, is it really true? And the funny thing about good news is if it's really good news, we typically hope it's true even if we're not sure that it is. Have you ever noticed that? And so the same thing when it comes to the, the message of Jesus and the Christmas story. And, and by the way, I don't know where you're tuning in. Like some of you, maybe you, you've, you've been around the church and you've heard the Christmas story a thousand times. Maybe you've never heard it in your entire life. Maybe you heard it and you ran the other direction when you were... Uh, uh, you know, leaving high school or, or going into college, or maybe you left and come back, or maybe you're in the middle and you're not sure where you land. Listen, the message of Jesus, no matter where you're tuning in, I genuinely believe it's good news. And it's not just good news, but it's good news of great joy. That means that, like, man, when you, when you get it, when you really understand and get the good news, it, like, lights something up inside of you. I mean, it's that good. It's good news of great joy for all people. 
Like, like not just some people, and not just church people, and not just Jesus people, all people. People like you, people nothing like you, people that you like, people that don't like you. It's for all people. And this is really, really good news. Now, here's my question for you as we have the conversation today. If it really is good news, if it really brings great joy, if it really is for all people, then why aren't more people leaning in? Like, like why, why isn't everyone just tearing down the doors to get to this good news? Why is it that a lot of people are actually running the opposite direction of this good news? What, what happened? Can I ask that question? What happened to the good news? And can I, can I make just a, a, a proposition, if you will? I think uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've been around the church or in the church or in, in the Western church at all, I, I think to a degree, we happened and, and I happened, and I, and I grew up in the church. I became a follower of Jesus a little later in life. But over time, I think when, when the good news gets distorted, when it seems like less than good news, I don't think it's because it's any less good, but because we're presenting a version that is not like the original version. Because the original version, guys, it was so good. It was so compelling that it spread like wildfire. And it was amazing because there was a lack of resources and there was, lack, there, there was, there was persecution and there was a, um, a lack of influence and, and geographical limitations and it was still exploding all over the Mediterranean area, uh, world and then now it's all over the global world as we know it. And people not only believed that it was good news, but they hoped that it was true even when it was sometimes hard to believe. And so some of the things that I think have happened in, in, the, in, our, in our Western world is part of it is we have kind of Americanized the good news. Uh, Andy Stanley calls it the pick and choose good news. Or, or you know, we, we kind of take it and we, we pick and choose the parts that work best for us. We, we, we take the parts that benefit us. And, and the problem with the pick and choose news is that uh, we pick the parts that benefit us no matter the consequences of what it might mean for you. And so it's not necessarily good news for all people, but it's more about like what, what's in it for me even in spite of you, not only have we Americanized it, but we've also like anti-intellectualized the good news. And so there's an entire generation and there's an entire uh, um, ideology around the good news that says, hey, don't ask hard questions. You just got to believe. Like, like just, just don't, just, just believe, okay? That's all you need to do. There's also been this, this internalizing of the good news and not in the good way, right? But rather it's, it's become way more about what you believe and way less about the way that you live and what you do. And not only that, but I think you've seen it, I'm sure you've seen it over and over again, it's been politicized, which, which uh, gets away from the original uh, version and the original goal. And so when you and I allow the pick and choose news to become uh, our version of the good news, if there's ever a point in time when, when my version of the good news, if there's ever a point that it's not good news for everyone, think about this, if there's ever been a point in time when you've heard a version of the good news that wasn't good news for everyone, then that news, it's not the original good news. And that, my friends, is good news. Because if you and I can get back to the original good news, the good news that Jesus actually did come to bring, it really is good news of great joy for all people. And that means it's good news for me. And it's good news for you. And, and when it comes to this good news for everyone, what that means for you and me is, is that it's also going to be good news for the people that, that are not like you and me, and the people that don't like you and me, and maybe, quite frankly, the people that we don't like. Maybe it's your ex-husband that it's good news for, or your ex-wife. 
It's that mean relative that you wish didn't come around the holidays. It's that crabby boss that, that you wish you could uh, uh, replace. It's that weird neighbor that you really have a hard time loving. Unless you are that weird neighbor, then it's for you, okay? But like, right, the good news is, is good news for everyone. And if it's not for everyone, it's not for anyone. The original is for everyone. And here, here's the beauty of this conversation, and I know we're spinning circles, and that's on purpose to hopefully help you not forget it. But you have never met anyone, hear, hear me, you have never met anyone on the planet, face-to-face, eye-to-eye. You've never met anyone for whom the good news was not good news, even if you didn't like them or they didn't like you. So here's my question for today. If, if you and I, if you're a follower of Jesus or if you've been a part of the church, let's just, I'll just take my own responsibility. If, if I'm part of the problem when, when it comes to the good news feeling or seeming like a, a version of less than good news, then, then we got to ask the question, am I good news? Right? Because Jesus, he invites me to follow him and he says, hey, not only am I the light, but you're the light and we're, we're going to have this conversation. But he says, hey, I'm going to communicate this good news in and through you if you're, a, if you're my follower. So then I've got to ask the question, am I Good news. Are we good news? Is City Church in this community, in Boulder, good news? Are we bringing great joy? Is it for all people? Can I be honest? I'm, I'm not always good news. Are you? Right? I, I, I wish I was good news every time I walked in my home. I wish I was good news in every relationship, but, I, but quite frankly, I'm not. And you probably aren't either. And so, so what would it look like? What would it look like to be good news of great joy for all people? What would it look like if every person who's a part of the community of City Church, what would it look like if every follower of Jesus in Boulder, what would it look like if every follower of Jesus in this nation, what would it look like? What if everyone really was good news of great joy for all people? Even if it was sometimes hard to believe, I believe we start to see changes in our world, in our communities, in our families, in our relationships, because even if it's hard to believe, when it's really good, people hope that it's true. And so Jesus, right, he, he would consistently invite us into this conversation. He'd say, hey, you know what the demonstration, like it's not enough to like believe good news, right? He didn't say, hey, people are going to know that you're my followers by what you believe. He didn't say that. Over and over again, Jesus said, people are going to know you're my followers by the love that you have for one another, by the way that you demonstrate this good news. The good news is only good when it's moving in action, when it's being demonstrated. It's not enough to be on a paper or hang on your wall somewhere or demonstrate it because you have this little piece of cross, you know, necklace jewelry or something you hang on your wall in your home and, and, and your belief somehow lines up and that equals good news for all people. He says, no, it's by the way that you love that people are going to finally start to get this. In another place, he said, hey, this is how it works. You... If you're a follower of Jesus, you're the light of the world. Now, listen, if you're not a follower of Jesus, lean in because what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to bring us back to the original version. And, and so maybe you've been exposed to a version that is a little bit tainted or, or a little bit Americanized or Westernized or, or, or politicized or whatever it is. So just come back to what did Jesus have to say about it and just see if this is uh, maybe a little more compelling for you like it was for me when I first heard it for the first time, for really, really got it, okay? Jesus is talking to followers. He said, you, if you're a follower of me, you're the light of the world, meaning the lights finally came on. You ever had one of those moments, like the aha 
like the lights came on, right? He's saying, you're the light of the world, meaning, man, my light, Jesus, he said, I'm the light. So when, when he came into your life, when his light intersected with your life, he says, now you are the light of the world. The lights came on. You see yourself in a different way, a way that you've never seen yourself before. You see others in a way that you've never seen them before. You see God in a way that you've never seen him before. You see your enemies in a way that you've never seen them before. Everything is different because the lights came on. He says, you are the light of the world. And he goes on and he says, so let your light shine before others so that what? So they might see something, right? Not because of what you believe. You're not the light of the world because of what you believe or a book that you carry around. You're the light of the world and people are going to see something. It's by what you do. It's by your good deeds. And check this out. He says, when, when you live in such a way as a follower of Jesus that you're personifying, you're demonstrating this light internally and externally. He says, as that thing shines and people see your good, good deeds, you know what they're going to do? They're going to look up and they're going to glorify that word. Also, it, it can mean magnify. It's, it's going to like blow up in a good way. It's going to become really, really obvious. And you're going to glorify your Father in heaven. Here's what he's saying. As you and I live out this life, people are going to connect your good deeds with your good Father. You see this? This is monumental. He says this is why it's good news. It's good news because it's actually good for people. And when people see your good they connect it with your good father. It's amazing. And friends, listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, you might be the only light that someone's ever going to get. And friends, in this season, maybe now more than ever, in the middle of COVID, in the middle of everything going on in our country and in our world, this might be the most important time in history to be light to those around you. And so Jesus invites us to personify good, to magnify good. And so we're about to get together on Christmas Eve. We're going to get together and we're going to celebrate. And we're going to reflect and we're going to demonstrate this reality. I, I don't know if you've ever been a part of one, but we're going to have this candle lighting service. And it's a moment where we all grab candles and, and we light them. And you look around and you kind of experience together this collective lighting. I mean, it's amazing. It's beautiful. But the whole point is a representation of, of us, us collectively being lights together. And we're going to take that light into the world around us. Here's my question. What if this characterized what we're getting ready to celebrate? What if, I mean, really, what if every Christian, every person that you know that's a follower of Jesus, every follower of Jesus in this community lived like this, personified the good news in their workplace, in their homes, in their communities, in their neighborhoods, where they live, work, and play? What if, man, here's one of the goals. One of the goals for City Church in the new year um, is that everyone in, in northern Boulder here where we are, everyone in, in like a two or three mile radius of our, our church property would know the name City Church and, and they'd be able to say, yeah, that's that church on that corner of J and 28th. And when they do that, when they make that association, it would be a good thing. <laughs> Okay, that they would say, yeah, I know about City Church, and here's the deal. Our goal is always progress, and so for most people, it's not just like an instantaneous, you know, they wake up one day and say, man, you know what, I really want to go to that church, right? But, but rather, we're, we're going for kind of this idea and this goal that people would say, you know what, I don't really go to church, or I'm not a church person, or that's not my thing, but if I ever did, you know where I'd go? I'd go to City Church, Right? That's our goal in 2021, that we would have such a good stamp in our community, which I believe we already have a significant one, but we're asking God for more and more favor in our city.
So let me ask you a question. If this was you, shining bright, I had shining bright like a diamond, like just come in my mind as we're talking. I didn't sing it for you because I was afraid of what might come out. But um, right, what, what if we're shining in such a way? I mean, what would your kids think if you lived this way? Your spouse, your neighbors, your coworkers, your boss. There's an incredible potential. So for, for the remaining time, here's what I want to do. I want to introduce to you a guy named Paul. And Paul um, was a guy who was anti-good news. He was not only anti this good news, but he was like the living expression of not good news, right? Um, um, he, he represented everything religious and everything uh, um, really weighty when it came to uh, the religious circles that he ran in. And one day, as he's opposing the good news, I mean, he's killing Christians. He's doing everything he can to shut down the Jesus movement. He slams, I mean, face first into the good news. He, he meets Jesus, changes his life. I mean, the lights come on. Bam! And everything changes. Changes his life. He becomes a follower of Jesus. He's one of the most influential leaders in the early church. Wrote over a third of our New Testament that we have today. This guy's name is Paul. And one of the letters that he wrote was uh, to this church that he helped plant and helped start called the Church of Philippi. And so I just want to visit, like, again, what would it look like to personify the good news? What does it actually look like to magnify and, and like, live this out real time? Well, Paul tells us, check this out, in Philippians chapter 2, in verse 1, he says, hey, if any of you, now he's writing to an early church, an, a, a young church, brand new followers of Jesus. Some of them probably aren't followers of Jesus yet, so lean in and listen. He says, hey, if, if, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, he says, hey, has anything good come your way? Has anything good at all come your way as a result of following Jesus? Check this out. And he goes on to say, then make my joy complete. He's kind of like, like a, a good dad talking to those, uh, writing to his kids, if you will, uh, his spiritual children and saying, hey, make my joy complete by being like-minded. Having the same love. Think about how challenging these words are. Like, how hard is it to be like-minded with everybody that you know based on the political climate and the racial climate and all of the tensions in our country and culture right now? Having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. What he's saying is, hey, as, as you follow Jesus, do me a favor. I want people to see something different in you. As followers of Jesus, they should see something different. If you've ever had any good come your way, which the natural response is going to be, of course we have as followers of Jesus. He says, what I, want, what I want to see happen, I want to see that good overflow, that good that has come your way. I want, it, I want to see it flow out of you and touch every relationship that you have. And so we got to ask the question, well, what does that look like? I mean, these are really flowery words, and it sounds great to say, like, we're going to be one, and there's unity and love, and, right, we can get a little hippy-dippy, and it doesn't actually change anything. So what does that actually look like? Here's the question I want to ask you. How do we, you and me, how, how do we live lives that looks so good, not, not, not for performance, but genuinely. How do we live lives that are so good in the world around us, in our homes, in our workplaces? How do we live lives that are so good that people connect the dots and think that this good news is good too? What does that look like? Paul tells us. Well, for starters, verse 3, you want, you want to personify this thing? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Man, wouldn't you like to work for somebody like that? Just imagine if, I mean, this is your boss, maybe you work for somebody like that. Wouldn't you like employees like that? I mean, man, what, what if your mom and, mom and dad had been like that when you were growing up? Or maybe, maybe you were grateful because you actually had moms and dads that were like this. 
right? I mean, just how, how amazing is that? It's actually good. He goes on, and he says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but rather in humility, value others, place value on others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. He says, value others as more important than yourself. Now think about this. This is just what it looks like to, to represent the good news. He's saying, put value on others as if they're more valuable, not because they are more valuable than you, but you're going to treat them like they're more valuable than you. Imagine, man, last time you got into a fight with your spouse, if you put value on them as if they were more valuable than you, even though they're not. You see, why is this important? Because God did that for you. God did that for me. By sending Jesus, by taking our place in in our place for our sin, by, by giving his life and rising again, God placed more value on us than himself. Not because we're more valuable, but he, in humility, chose to value to lift up. And friends, this is good. I mean, think about relationships like this, where you interact with someone, where they're valuing you, they're, they're esteeming you over themselves, right? Man, I don't even know what these people believe, but whatever they've got, it's good. You see it? He goes on, and he says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset, mindset, your thinking, as Jesus has. Why? Because the mindset of Jesus, it's good. It's good. And he explains it to us in verse 6. Check it out. He goes on and he says, Who, Jesus, being in the very nature, in, in very nature God, which is so hard to wrap your mind around, right? At, at times, I mean, you ask some of the first century followers, they, they would say, man, it was, it was like God was in the flesh. It was like God in a bond. I don't know how else to say it. It's just like he, he was God. He was right there. I mean, you ask the brother of Jesus and all of his followers, and he was in the very nature of God, but he, check this out, he didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather, he goes on, Jesus made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Here's what he's saying. God showed up, and this is the whole story of Christmas, right? This little baby being born, God showed up, but you know what? God never powered up, right? Think about, you look at the life of Jesus, he never once played the God card. He never used his power and his influence for himself. He always leveraged it for others. And this is so good. Can you imagine a world where everyone uses their influence, not for themselves, but for the good of others? Imagine politicians, imagine moms and dads, imagine world leaders, imagine bosses and business leaders, imagine neighbors where we leverage ourselves for the sake of others. It's so good. And he goes on. He says that, man, Jesus, although being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross, which that for me and you might not carry the weight that it would in the first century moment when, they, when they've seen and smelt the byproduct of this point of death. It would have been horrifying. And for Jesus to submit himself to this point showed the, the level of value that he places on us. And he goes on. And Paul says, so listen, in light of what Jesus has, has given us as an example, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Right? He's saying, man, keep working it out. Like God wants to squeeze all of that good out of you to where it's overflowing into every relationship that you 
have. And he says it's all connected to his good purpose. What's his good purpose? It's the good news that God sent his son into the world to bring everyone back into relationship with himself. It is that good purpose and that good news that he is working in and through you and me. And he goes on and he encourages us. So he says, hey, listen, so do everything without grumbling or arguing. Man, how challenging it would it be? This should be do anything without grumbling or arguing, right? Like, man, that would be a, quite the feat for me and you. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you might become blameless and pure. You know what this word means, blameless? It doesn't mean perfect, right? I think sometimes we think that they're like without blame. No, what it means is that you own up to everything so consistently and so quickly that people can't blame you, right? You get in a fight, you get in an argument, and, and they're going to, you know, they're like, oh, you know what, man, he, they messed up in this way. They said this, they did this. I'm going to go get them. And then they're getting ready to it. Oh, you know what? He already owned to that. Like, man, he already said he was sorry. He already owned it and said he did it, and, and, he, and he's making progress. Dang it, right? Every time I try to get him, like, like, they've already owned up to it, right? He's saying, man, live your life in such a way that you're blameless, that people can't blame you because you own everything. You recognize that you're not perfect, but you're moving in a direction, that says, man, I want to value you and others. And he says, as you live that way, don't be like, uh, or uh, you're like children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Warped meaning this me first alignment of, of, of a generation, right? That's about me and not you. And then check this out. He says, man, when you live in this way, then, then you will shine. He echoes the words of Jesus. You're going to shine among them like stars in the sky. You live in this way, and you're going to shine. Imagine a world, guys. Imagine relationships. Imagine a city. Imagine a workplace. Imagine a neighborhood where people hope that what they see in me and what they see in you, that people hope what they see in us is actually true because it looks so good. Imagine a world where we don't have all of our stuff together, but we know someone. We're following someone who is helping us get all of our stuff together. And so Christmas Eve, right? It's in a few days. And whether it's in person or at home, I just want to extend the invite and the reminder. Not only are you invited to join us, but if you're a follower of Jesus, you're invited to invite others to be a light. And, and so this week, I'll just give you some examples. This week, I'm going to help my neighbor fix their headlight on their car just as a moment of connection just to serve them. And I'm going to invite them to join us for City Church and, and to join us for Christmas Eve. Uh, uh, this week, my, my family, we're, we're delivering some presents personally to, to a family in need, and we're just going to personally extend the invite to join us for Christmas Eve. This last week, me, me and my kids, we, we grabbed our snow shovels, and we went and shoveled every one of our neighbor's sidewalks leading up to their front door, and just teaching my kids the value of investing in others and valuing others above themselves. And one of my kids is crippled right now. He's got a, a broken leg. He's in a wheelchair, and so I had him hold his shovel, and I'm pushing his wheelchair around, and he's just scooting snow. It's like I don't know who's actually doing all the work, but one of us is. And uh, we're just choosing to serve others so we can invest in them and value them and, and that people would see something in us, not just the invite to church, they would see something in us that looks so good that even if it's hard to believe, they would hope that it's true. So let's get super practical in the last few seconds that we have together. Let me give you four suggestions 
four ways to be good news to those around you. Because I realize, man, you're entering into seasons of relationships. You're going to be with different people for the holidays, maybe, and you got things going on. So let me give you four things based on the text we just read that you and I can look at this week. Number one, can I just give you some good news? Apologize immediately. Like, no matter what's going on, right, you and I, we're not always good news. And so, man, just extend the apology immediately. This, this week, um, my, my, my wife's grandfather passed away. And, and our family's mourning uh, with them. And um, I walked into the house, and, and my wife, Danielle, she was on the phone with her mom. And I heard them making some plans about... Uh, uh, Christmas Eve, and they're trying to come up here, but they're trying to figure out the funeral, and so I walk in, and I'm all in business mode. I just got out of a meeting, and I walk in, and I hear them making plans, and so I interject myself into that conversation, trying to help them figure out the plans for Christmas Eve, and who's watching the kids, and who's going where, and, and I just kind of interject myself into the situation without paying attention to what's going on, realizing that, that she just lost her dad, and she just lost her grandpa, and, and long story short, I came across as just, I mean, totally insensitive, like a complete idiot. And once I, realized, once I got on the phone and I realized that I just had hopped into one side of a conversation and I missed it completely, um, I didn't get a chance on that moment. But, I mean, 30 seconds later, I, I, I tried to call her back, and she was on the phone, so I missed her. And so I called my wife's uh, uh, mom, and, and then I sh- shot her a text message, and I said, I am so sorry. I, I was not good news in that moment. I, that was a moment for me to say, I'm so sorry. And we're grieving with you. And all, all I did was try to help make some Christmas Eve travel plans. Just say you're sorry. Just own it immediately. You'll enjoy that time a lot better this week as we demonstrate the good news. Number two, forgive quickly. Forgive quickly because, man, it's, it's going to happen. Feelings are going to get hurt. Stupid is going to take place. And you and I have the opportunity to extend forgiveness even when it's not deserved, even if they don't ask for it to demonstrate that good news. Number three, defer habitually. Defer simply means you first. Over and over again, you just, in every relationship, in every moment, you first, you first, you first, you first. In the simple things, in the small things, and who's eating first, into the big things, in the conversations, in the conflict, and relationships, you first. You know why? Because a king was born. And as we celebrate Christmas, it's about a king being born, a king who gave his life for his subjects instead of having his subjects give their lives for him you first. And lastly, give sacrificially. The best way to demonstrate the good news is to give sacrificially with your time, with your energy, with your resources. And in every aspect, you look for moments to give sacrificially. And friends, this is the opportunity when people are going to look at you and they're going to look at me and they're going to say, wow, that." That's good. God has so much in store for you this week. Lean in and don't miss it because there's some people that can't wait to see and hear the good news in and through you. Merry Christmas.